As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Pod on the Time. My name's Taylor Payne and it's Thursday the 26th of October and Newcastle United have lost in the Champions League for the first time this season. Uh, we'll get into all of that in just a moment but it's always a pleasure to have all three podcast chums by my side for the episode. Uh, Chris Woff, George Cock and, and Jacob Whitehead are all here. How are you Chris? Uh, I'm alright, thank you, yes. Uh, think I've just about dried off, but I, I, I wasn't quite as wet as George and Jacob were last night, sat in the press box, I was a bit further behind the stands, but it was. I think, I think I'm think i surprised that St James's Park did not float away, there seemed to be that much of a deluge of rain. Yes, it was a filthy, filthy night, wasn't it? How are you, George? Are you alright? Well, I've got lots of mixed emotions today, I have to say. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I think I'm largely confused. I'm addled, I think. That's, that happens quite a lot. At my age, but I'm a, sounds like I'm, standard sort of. Yeah, I'm state confused about the Dortmund match. I'm not entirely sure how to how to process it and feel about it. But hopefully, this uh, this pod will be a bit of catharsis on that. I'm a bit sad because this is our last episode before Jacob moves away from the northeast. Even though it's not, um, you know, certainly won't be his final appearance for us, and he's going to carry on doing some Newcastle stuff too. But. Jacob has been an absolutely brilliant addition and uh, has become a firm friend and a brilliant colleague and he will be sadly missed but I'm also very very excited because my little mate um, and running partner Chris Woff is back to work next week Mm. and it's been a long time coming but I'm very excited about that so yeah lots of things going on in my head Taylor how about you? See you're just a whirlwind of emotions aren't you? I'm alright I'm still still full of the lurgy George you can probably hear. Ugh. That I'm quite chesty and quite wheezy and a little bit snotty and a bit uh, a bit dribbly as well. So I hope everyone enjoyed that Beautiful. description of my current state. I'm all right though. I'm 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 just getting on with it, George. You know me. I don't like to make a fuss. No, not at all. Uh, Jacob Whitehead, how the devil are you, sir? You all right? I am grand. I'm absolutely surrounded by packing boxes. They're coming out my ears. So this is a welcome <laughs> respite. A lovely intro from George there. 
because I thought I was kind of coming back in here after missing Monday's podcast and wading into a bullying scandal based by some of the comments left underneath the last <laughs> podcast. So George should have <laughs> doing some early scrambling to get the listeners back on side, it seems. Yeah, George had his man fix it all. The HR have made it go away, it's fine. Legally, there's not a lot I can I can really sort of add to that. There is a process uh, ongoing, but, um, Absolutely. but no, just full of sweetness and light today. Absolutely right then, chaps. Let's get on with it. Uh, first Champions League defeat of the season, Chris. Well, first Champions League defeat in 20 years, if you want to look at it that way. It's pretty, that's, that's a nice spin to put on it, isn't it? Positive way of looking at it, yeah. Well, the weather was absolutely fucking filthy, wasn't it, Chris? It was a disgusting night on Tyneside and not the best result. Yeah, but I mean, it was a filthy night of weather for both sides and I just thought Dortmund dealt with it better. It wasn't by any means a terrible performance from Newcastle United but they weren't quite at it certainly in the first half and against an experienced opponent who I'll be honest I didn't think Dortmund were necessarily brilliant but what they were they were streetwise they knew where to target Newcastle they got themselves ahead in the first half took their opportunity despite some heroics from Nick Pope early on and when Newcastle were a little bit off it particularly in their passing I thought that they were poor in possession first half Newcastle caught too often in transition Dortmund targeted that yeah. and once they fell behind unfortunately despite a few opportunities towards the end of the game I wouldn't say they absolutely peppered Dortmund's goal but they had opportunities in the second half obviously Woodwork lived a bit of a charmed life as uh, as Dortmund's own social media account uh, showed after the game when they took a little video th- thumbs up of the of the crossbar but Newcastle as Eddie Howe said afterwards were maybe taught a lesson in some ways you, you can't be off it at Champions League level because the quality is so high yeah. when you're up against experienced opponents like Borussia Dortmund they will capitalise on that and that's precisely what happened Chris remind us of your pre-match prediction Yes, yes, that was uh, that went well, didn't it? That was I was, I was probably I was more nervous than I've been for a game in a long time for that simple reason that for once I'd actually I'd actually put my head above the parapet and no, I mean that's I suppose in in many ways you can look at last night as a learning curve for a lot of us and that's the I do think Newcastle overall are a better team than Borussia Dortmund, but that doesn't matter if you in, on these nights and to to play. Saturday, Wednesday, whatever it may be, consistently over a longer period of time. Newcastle are learning to do that. Supporters are maybe learning how that works. And, and me as a journalist, I'm learning that uh, don't get a, a little bit ahead of yourself. Don't don't think that things are going to be the same as they were last time. I'm pulling your leg. I was in the press box beforehand. Alan, Alan from work was in there because he was working for BBC Five Live last night. And he was saying he expected Newcastle to win. So you were in good... You're in good company. I mean, part of me, you know, there is that sense of disappointment at the result last night, but you do have to take a step back and it's like, bloody hell, this group, it was called the group of death before a ball was kicked. And you're starting to see a little bit of that now. It's so close. You know, Paris Saint-Germain absolutely trounced by Newcastle, now top of the group. Newcastle dropped down from first to third, but there's only two points in it. And I don't know. I just sort of love those that you know the occasion of it, the the difference of it, and Dortmund come out and suddenly it's like, yeah, this is this is a very different team to PSG. They know what they're doing. They have a plan. They look like a proper team, and there's a lot to be taken from that in terms of um, sort of excitement and also enjoyment in spite of the the result and. I don't know. It's, I, it's kind of mentally, I think it's sort of a roller coaster for all of us, isn't it? We do get carried away, but that's the nice thing. Yeah. The incredible thing about the team now, they give us the right to get carried away. And, you know, we'll come on to talk about the game in specifics, but my feeling at the end of it is that bring on the away game, bring on the next game. You would back Newcastle to have the resilience to, to find a way and to cope with it. 
it was very open in that first half, Jacob, wasn't it? There was chances for both sides. Dortmund probably had the better of them. Uh, obviously, Anthony Gordon went close as well. And then both teams lose key players, don't they? Isaac, for us, is a massive loss. Yeah, the first 15, 20 minutes in particular was fantastic. I mean, straight after that double save, the ball got played from Pope, the ball got played through to Isaac, who played in Gordon and so on. And it did really feel, to do that old cliche, that the first goal was important. Dortmund probably did shade, I say shade, I think they did control the first half. I mean, they were setting Newcastle traps defensively with Schlotterbeck stepping up to dispossess, Royce sometimes filling in at left back to cover that. They sort of had their front three really tight and sort of really made those areas pretty congested. And I think in a way that kind of Isaac's absence there particularly harmed Newcastle because Isaac's good at dropping back, helping out the midfield. Yeah. And Wilson is probably Isaac's equal as a finisher, but isn't so good at linking himself in play. And well, I mean, I guess if we go on there, Wilson did have chances later and that was the difference in the end. Absolutely. And they improved in the second half, Chris, didn't they? And we'll come on to the, the impact of the injuries. But on the night, it also sort of inhibited Eddie Howe's ability to use the bench, didn't it? And I know I said in the last episode, Jacob Murphy must be protected at all costs. <laughs> And nobody fucking protected him, did they? He got smashed and he had to go off after five minutes. I wasn't happy about that at all. Yeah, it was very upsetting for him. You could see how distressed he was. He went down, he was holding the shoulder and you just had to assume that, that, that as, as Howe said afterwards, a, a suspected uh, dislocated shoulder. Then uh, Isak, groin injury, the ability to rotate those strikers has been so crucial for Newcastle, but now one of them's down. That is a, a, an issue. I think first half... Anthony Gordon was probably the pick of Newcastle's players in attack. He was the one person who looked like making something happen. Miguel Almiron as well was busy and trying to make things work. I didn't think the rest of the front six really functioned particularly well. Bruno was on the ball a lot, but wasn't quite as influential as normal. I thought that Joe Linton and Sean Longstaff struggled in possession. I thought first 20 minutes, they really targeted Joe Linton in possession. It was almost like yeah, they did, yeah. when he gets some crowd him. And what was, what was interesting with Dortmund was... Like Palace, they allowed Jamal Lascelles to have the ball, but unlike Palace, they sort of then jumped on the next person he'd pass it to. So he was he was given a heck of a lot of space, and he passed it, and he made some very good passes. I thought his distribution was good, but then they had an extra man to jump on the person he was going to pass it to, and that was that was just it was clever for them. It was risky, but it it, it worked, and their threat on the break was a real issue. First off, second off, they didn't have as much until later on, and Newcastle going down the hill. I'm not going to get into that debate again, but going down the hill the second <laughs> half did. Um, did control sort of territory and possession. But really, as I said earlier, it wasn't that they peppered Dortmund's goal. They had a few good chances, but I think a lot of it as well, Dortmund's shape was just very, very disciplined and Newcastle struggled to find a way to really break them down. Complete opposite to PSG, who came and yeah. were going to play their way regardless. Dortmund gave Newcastle respect and the respect that they gave Newcastle in the end saw them manage to survive and, and get that 1-0 win. I agree with Chris's points about the midfield there. I actually asked Jalinton after the game kind of how he felt that uh, they'd been put under pressure and he said we let them have the sort of game they wanted. We let them have that transitional game because we were sometimes sloppy with the ball in midfield and you could see that for both of Dortmund's big chances in the first half dispossessing them, moving it quickly and taking advantage of that space in behind Trippier. Yeah. And just again, to go back to Jacob Murphy, um, one of your great loves, Taylor, I guess the real problem of his injury was how had just kind of almost made his big gamble, switching to the 4-2-3-1. And Murphy's injury stopped that. He had to bring on Willock instead. They moved back to a 4-3-3 and clearly how didn't think that was working and they had to sort of try and push through with it. 
Yeah, nevertheless, we had three or four half chances, didn't we, George? But only the real, the Wilson chance that was uh, that was saved was the only proper, proper chance, wasn't it? It's simply bad luck that none of the others went in, really. Hit the bar twice. It's just one of those nights, wasn't it? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think the way that the the way that Jacob and I have kind of put it in the in the piece that we wrote that's on the Athletic is it is that those big moments, you know, they went Dortmund's way, and I think Dortmund probably earned that right with the way that they played. They were ruthless. They were ruthless on the ball. I thought they were kind of admirably cynical off the ball. They kind of knew exactly what they were they were doing. They knew how to manage the game. They knew how to try and manage the crowd as well. And yeah, the big moments, the the you know Newcastle made apart from the kind of Pope saves, which were sort of incredible. The big moments went went their way, and they were lucky in the in the sense of those chances that hit the the that hit the hit, hit the woodwork. But at the same time, there is that sort of element of having to force your own luck and to make it yourself. And I think that's where Newcastle lacks something. It was just in being clinical. It's been something that we've that we've praised them for this season and beyond. They've they've actually you know they've known how to win games to close games out. Nobody has scored more goals than them in the Premier League this season so far. Mm-hmm. But they just couldn't do it on the night and. At that level, I think that was it. Was just a, it, I mean, Eddie Howe talked a lot about lessons, but I think it's just one of those absolute things you take from that match. That if you don't take your chance at, at that level against that sort of team, you you won't win. And it was brutal in that sense because they took their chance, Newcastle didn't, and that was that was that. It was a match of moments, and it was a match of really really tight calls, and Newcastle were on the wrong end of it, and. I think they could have done more to mitigate against that, but equally, I'm not distraught by the way they played, and I don't think any of us should be. Um, as I said, it's like this is an absolutely incredible group. It's a fantastic group. It's narrow. They're still in there, still fighting. As uh, as Eddie Howe said said afterwards, there was he he met Kevin Keegan for the first time at Monday, on Monday night at uh, at an event they were doing, and he came out with that. But you know that uh, Keegan line still in there. We're still fighting for this title. You know we're still fighting for that. Um, and they are. They're in it. They've still got a chance. We were told before. You know they weren't supposed to have a chance at this point. They were supposed to be bottom of the group. They were supposed to be, maybe yeah. be. You know maybe be fighting for a Europa League place. But it's still all to play for. I believe getting grouped is what the youngsters call it these days. <laughs> is that right, uh, Jacob? You're going to get grouped. That's what I keep saying on. Uh, on Twitter. I'm a quarter of a century old now. I think this is a generation below me <laughs> you were talking about. Fair growth. enough, yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. I also thought that what Dortmund do, I, I haven't seen teams physically be able to match Newcastle. Maybe it's not in a running sense, although obviously Dortmund's transition was very good, but they are a huge... I mean, when you were there... Yeah. Bunch of yeah, big bastards, weren't they? There are not really many teams who make, new, in some ways, make, tower over Newcastle, but they. But Dortmund's midfield was huge, their back lane was huge, the substitutes they brought on. I mean, Jacob was saying that, that, that George couldn't believe Nicolas Sulo when he was brought on, uh, the size of, of him for, for, for Dortmund. And they are just a big physical side, and that was that's... that's that's something which usually Newcastle do win those 50-50s and I thought that they didn't get yeah. the best of some of them because they were up against a side who physically could actually handle that and that is another difference that's another difference you get in the Champions League and another step and level up and that and that's fascinating because Eddie Howe's side is usually fitter and stronger than everyone but last night they just weren't quite there No, Sula, I mean he gave He. Uh, I mean I could believe I could believe the size of him because he was like he was very recognisable. That's I mean that is what I what I always think of when I think of a centre half. Just it's like bringing a fucking wardrobe on, wasn't it? He was yeah, it was just like a tank. It was like an absolute massive, not fat, but like just massive built back in the day of proper stoppers. You know that they've 
They'll be going out, win, lose, or draw. They'll be having ten pints tonight. They'll ha- they'll have a scrap. You know, they'll come back in. You know, stick come into training stinking of booze. That's what I that's what I want from a centre half. Absolutely massive brick shit house. I thought for a second you were going to say that it reminded you of yourself. I generally thought that's how you started that sentence. <laughs> well, in, in, in some sense, I mean, like not myself. in the brick shit house or being good at football kind of way, but um, but yeah, relationship to alcohol, that's probably fair enough, yeah. I'll take that. There was a little bit of mumbling and grumbling about the atmosphere last night, wasn't there? There's been some calls for a proper dedicated singing end, and all three of our groupmates uh, have one of those. Mind you, as an asthmatic, I didn't like the look of the PSG one last night. That looked like it was just asking for bother if I was well, in don't, there. Don't we, have, don't we have a singing section, though? Is that not what the Gallagate, the standing section in the Gallagate corner is? I'm not sure if it's a singing section, though, is it? I, I, it's not singing section. They don't start all the chants, do they? Well, it's, they it's... led it. They led it last night. I mean, I th- it's it's been quite interesting, sort of seeing some of the fallout to that because people who were in the Gallagate seem to be saying that, you know, the atmosphere certainly sounded good from where from where they were. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I I do think this is a really sort of interesting conversation, but I also sort of don't think we should get kind of too too hung up on it. Yeah, the atmosphere against Paris Saint Germain was absolutely one of the best that I can remember any I mean if not the best that I can remember anywhere ever and you know that was the previous Champions League group stage I can only imagine that the people in the stadium was pretty similar there's not going to be a huge sort of difference um it just felt to me like it was one of those nights where everything was just a tiny bit off on and off the pitch that yeah but you know there were also circumstances in the game that didn't sort of lend itself to to the atmosphere I think you know the way it went the I think if Gordon puts that chance in in the first half, I think the atmosphere yeah. changes completely, and I think we're, yeah. we're not having this conversation. And, you know, it it sounds a bit like an old old man complaint, but I I don't think that sort of weather lends itself to great atmosphere, and I don't think the noise carries it carries its way around the stadium in the same way as if it's not raining. It's like the drizzle catches the catches the noise, and so yeah, I mean, I do think. It's an interesting conversation to have. I, you know, when you talk about those sort of lessons, I think the one thing is that the team absolutely has to be at a hundred percent, and the crowd absolutely has to be at a hundred percent. No. Yeah, I'm not sure the crowd were at hundred percent. Judging by one thing I saw early in the second half, just when kind of everyone was wanting to get, oh, I know what you're going to say, behind the team, roll them out. You know. Dortmund had scored just before half time, but here was a chance to come back out at them to really unleash just like, you know, they could have done at the start of the first half and um, the ball kind of spilled out and uh, there's a back pass which Trippier had to clean up sprinting back towards Pope with a, with a Dortmund striker. Oh, I knew this was going to happen. Hot in pursuit, at which point George next to me, previously for the first half, he was kind of hunkering over his laptop, trying to protect it with his laptop case, which was a bit of a tragic sight, kind of I described him as King Canute raging against the waves. But he finally distracted himself from this task, cast the laptop to one side, st- half stood up in his chair and shouted, go on, thinking that... Kieran Trippier was through on goal, completely muddling the end which Newcastle was shooting towards. Jacob. <laughs> Having spent the entirety of half time saying, I'm, I'm going to nobble Chris for this theory about which end to shoot towards. No, I did. That's, that's a, the rest of it is true. That bit is a lie. I'm not prepared to go into the kicking which end which. People were saying that to me at half time because I did make the. I was being facetious, but I made the point Newcastle will be kicking downhill in the second half. And then some people came back to me. I genuinely couldn't remember what it was I'd said in the first place <laughs> and what what their the points were. But yeah, 
I mean, firstly, I would just like to disassociate myself from all the really nice things I said about Jacob at the top of the show. That's now gone. That's history. Good riddance. Yeah. Uh, you've forgotten. Um, never darken my doors again. The second point is that I was right. Kieran Trippier was bearing down on gold. It was just his own goal. <laughs> but I also do have to make a slight admission that you are absolutely correct. I did momentarily forget which way Newcastle were kicking and I thought he had a great chance to score. So that's quite embarrassing for me. I quite enjoyed that we sat right in front of the Dortmund analysts as well, who you could hear giving a little bit of a chuckle afterwards, um, just to kind of show how much, <laughs> hopefully they aren't athletic readers. The people here are so stupid, That's of course amazing. we're going to win, of course we're going to win. Oh, that's athletic, dumb cop. Yeah, so I wasn't very. Yeah. Uh, no, that wasn't my finest hour. I'm, I'm prepared to. I'm prepared to concede. I'm prepared to concede that point. Brilliant stuff. Um, Post match, Eddie Howe and some of the players uh, they said there are lessons to be learned. This was a phrase which was uh, parroted a few times, wasn't it, Chris? What lessons are there? That if you're off your level even the slightest bit at the very top elite performance levels that, that you get in the Champions League, then then you will be punished. Yeah, taking those opportunities. And also, I think still the the dealing with the schedule and injuries and the like, and I don't know how you can necessarily teach yourself those, but that's something that that, that comes with time. And, and we are starting to see now when you play at the intensity and level that Newcastle do twice a week consistently for the period that they have done, and then you've got a national breaks and players going away. Unfortunately, you will lose some key players, and it's how you deal and manage with that. Dortmund were without a few key players. Well, they lost some, uh, not to the extent that Newcastle had, but still, that that's that's what's going to happen, and, and we will see how Newcastle can recover and cope from that in the weeks ahead. It's also to, to bounce back from defeats like this. I was looking before, and I mean, to be fair, I think Jacob was saying he saw a stat that Newcastle had been behind for the least amount of time in the Premier League this season or roundabout there, but they haven't actually come from behind to win since April against Southampton. Uh, as I say, they haven't been behind loads, but when they do go behind, they tend to lose or, or potentially draw. They, they would have won at West Ham, but yeah. they conceded late on. So learning how to get back into games is still something maybe they aren't accustomed to and that they need to to learn and improve and get, and get better at. Because when you aren't at it, like they weren't in the first half against Dortmund, you want to make sure you at least get a point then. You don't lose your home games in the Champions League. And in the end, they did. They couldn't quite find that way back into the game. And, and then they just need by hook or crook to do that. I agree with Chris, kind of problem solving on the pitch before you have a chance to properly regroup at half-time or full-time is really important. We've seen Dortmund in the first half, their two best chances were exactly the same. Newcastle didn't learn from being exploited, from leaving that space, from the cutbacks. In the second half, sort of how desperately trying to tweak things with shape, but there's an extent also to which the more this group play together, the more experienced they are, the better they are the more they are able to, as a group, to sort of solve problems themselves on the fly. Yeah, and uh, George, Newcastle have been pretty decent at bouncing back, haven't they, from little setbacks? You would imagine Eddie Howe would have the lads all ready to go for uh, for Saturday against Wolves, wouldn't you? Yeah, they'll be devastated at that defeat last night. You know, it doesn't happen often at St James's. It's only been, certainly in the Premier League, it's only, it's only been against the best teams. And yeah, one of the really sort of admirable things about them is the way that they can... They can find a way to respond and recover. They had a big, long, unbeaten run going and they'll be putting everything into starting that again. Again, I, I don't think there's anything to be scared of in what we saw last night. I just think it's, I think the return leg, it's it's there, it's there for them. I think, um, yeah, they'll, they'll bounce back. That's what they do. They're good at it. They are, they're very good at it. Uh, right then, let's have a little break, chaps, and we'll be back in a moment just to preview that Wolves game.
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. So, a uh, trip to the Midlands is next up for Eddie Howe's men with a 5.30 kickoff on Saturday at Wolves. And Molyneux's not always a happy hunting ground for the Magpies, and the Wolves will be on the prowl after winning two of their last three games. And we now have a host of injury issues to deal with, don't we, Chris? Plus the uh, Sandro Tonali situation as well. Yeah, so we've already mentioned Alexander Isak. Don't know yet the extent of that, but you'd say it's probably unlikely we're going to see much of him before the next at national break, which which comes uh, sort of middle towards the end of, of November, which means that Callum Wilson's going to have to get through a heck of a lot of work or Newcastle may have to play Anthony Gordon or someone through the middle. Sandro Tonali, as we get on to in a second, 10-month ban, so he's now not going to be real for the rest of the season. Elliot Anderson wasn't in the squad last night. Howe said he's got a back injury. I think it's going to be towards the end of this, before the international break, or after the international break, before we see him. Jacob Murphy as well, that's probably going to be, that's certainly likely to be weeks uh, sorry months rather than weeks and then Sven Botman still isn't back yet so some key injuries really the spine of the team there in in certain positions when Newcastle are already stretched particularly in those attacking positions in a cross midfield front six they don't have a huge amount of depth and variety then and players are going to have to be managed as well as they possibly can you may see someone like Lewis Hall have to be used in midfield because mm. he's a he's a versatile player uh, you're going to have to see people shifted around a little bit we may even see Lewis Miley start to get a few minutes because Newcastle simply need to do that they had two keepers on the bench again last night which shows the depth it is lacking a little bit particularly in that Champions League squad where they can't have as many players in it so yeah they, they are becoming a bit stretch now while i remember i'll just mention something i saw with jacob murphy after his injury i went back in the stands to give my editor a call once it all got a bit more quiet and uh, jacob murphy was heading up to his box which is at the back of the uh, melbourne stands and clearly you know you could see he's in quite a lot of pain had kind of arm in a sling and there's a couple of kids just knocking around kind of four or five and despite the fact he's kind of racing up the steps trying to get some treatment wanting to you know get back stopped and every single one kind of had time to take a picture sign something even with the arm which I thought was a very nice touch especially given the result it's lovely. It's very on brand for Jacob Murphy, that isn't it? He seems like a smashing lad. Uh, Jacob, let's talk about Sandro Tonali as well. His ten month ban now pretty much confirmed. Uh, it could have been worse, couldn't it? Yeah, I mean, so 
for breaking Article 42, the guideline is three years in practice. That always kind of gets reduced with cooperation. There's a quote from the uh, head of the FIGC who were, who were giving the plan saying that Tonali cooperated beyond belief, which has kind of knocked it down as well as the fact there's mitigation of having a gambling addiction and also agreeing to take part in rehabilitation and therapy. So it's going to be a 10-month ban from football and then sort of a further eight months happening after that of rehabilitation. But during that period, he will be able to play. It probably is towards the better end of what Newcastle were of the possible outcomes. If you think that Fagioli, I think, had a seven-month ban and he was the very first person to cooperate and no evidence at all that he bet on his own team or anything like that. So, um, yeah. you know, obviously it's a terrible situation, but in terms of how bad it could have been, it's towards the better end of that scale. Yeah, as we're, as we're recording, there's been no kind of official confirmation from the Newcastle side of stuff, so we're still kind of waiting to see what the details are. It definitely is on the better end of, of the scale of what could have happened. It's still going to be a hell of a long time both for him and for the team, it's going to be really tough for him. And yeah, we see we see now in the aftermath of Dortmund, you know, some of the effects of that. It's immediately going to cause a problem for for Eddie Howe because suddenly there are fewer players around. You would back them to to deal with it because they are good at that. But yeah, it's a human story. It's a very sad story. It's a high price to pay for the big mistakes he's made. But um, just got to get through it. But could have been a lot worse. And Chris, with regards to the hole that Tenali will leave, I mean, it's great to have Joe Willock back, isn't it? But Eddie Howe will surely want to ease him back in. Uh, and it's vital that there's no setbacks or, or, or risking anything else happening, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he was brought on earlier than initially intended last night because of the injury to Jacob Murphy. I think we would have probably seen Willock with him. He's about 15 minutes to go otherwise. But but he had to come on. He, he looked sharp, but you don't want to take any risks because he had a couple of setbacks coming back yeah. from his previous injury and then injured a different part of his, his body and so he has a few areas which are susceptible there he's also a very dynamic athlete and therefore he, he's always susceptible anyway but he is huge he brings something different to Newcastle's midfield very different player to to Sandro Tonali but very different to other Newcastle's other midfielders his ability to carry the ball his, his, uh, his dynamism in possession his, his power running um, and a potential goal threat. So he, he is. It is a boost that he's back, but I, I don't think that the, you can expect him to play sort of three games a week or start three games in a week just quite yet. I think Howe will be reluctant to do that. But then options are limited. The, you're probably then going to have to start the three that have started the last two matches quite regularly because, as I said, Elliot Anderson isn't going to be available in the next few games. Um, Sandro Tonali isn't going to be available. We don't expect, because uh, we, th- we think the ban's going to apply f- from now, even though Newcastle haven't confirmed it yet. And then, wh- 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 who are the other options? I mentioned Lewis Hall there, a potential change of formation, possibly. Uh, Almiron shifted that number 10 rule very briefly last night. Could could that be something where you see 4 2 3 one It may be that Eddie Howe has to start deviating from his 4-3-3 for lack of options, and not necessarily because he thinks that that's the best way going forward. There's going to be quite a lot of reliance on Callum Wilson now, isn't there, uh, Jacob? It's, uh, given his fitness history, uh, might Alan from work get his wish and then the club adds a striker in January? <laughs> you never know, do you? I mean, it, it's a crazy workload. It's four games in 11 days. Um, after the Wolves match and Zassin, Wilson's minutes are already carefully managed. And so kind of the absolute nightmare scenario is that Wilson picks up his own injury for for a number of weeks and Newcastle are left around neither strikers. So there's yeah, a, a-, a point where Newcastle are going to have to compromise. It was something going into the summer. They were sort of considering 
looking at striker, they ended up going in other options. The kind of thing which is up in the air is obviously financial fair play, as George alluded to when answering Alan from work. All the mood music from without in the club is that they're, you know, they're within it, but sort of quite tightly up against it. We've seen in recent yeah. transfer windows, over they've always managed to find some money down the back of the sofa. They kind of went very close to the wall by doing the Lewis Hall deal. The only way they could do that was to make it a loan with an obligation to buy, which suggests that there's not lots knocking about. But if there is some sort of low-cost solution, or even if they use one of their remaining loan slots, you imagine it's something which Dan Ashworth and the rest of the recruitment team are already looking at. The other, the other point, just to make just to kind of clarify on that, is that that won't help Newcastle in the next few weeks. I mean, you know, Isak is going to miss miss the next few games leading up to uh, leading up to sort of next month. So by the time January comes around, hopefully that is is less of a less of a problem. But that is the yeah, that's the that's the the jeopardy. That's the dilemma, isn't it? When you have limited space to do stuff, you've got to make calls. Right then, well, uh, one more little thing before we move on and, and finish up. I've got to say good luck to the women's team in the FAWNL Cup versus Forest. Uh, they are our top-of-the-table Premier Division North rivals. Uh, Sunday's game will be hosted at the Gateshead International Stadium and there are limited tickets available. So if you fancy watching the lasses, uh, get yourself along there. That should be a good afternoon. Um, also, the Premier League have announced the Christmas fixtures. Newcastle maybe not the most harshly treated, although we do have an early start on Boxing Day as well as a trip to Anfield on New Year's Day as well. The Premier League love this, Chris, don't they? They love just throwing a spanner in the Christmas works, don't they? Yeah, I mean, Wolves and uh, Chelsea fans are certainly not very happy because they are playing on, on Christmas Eve. I think it's the first fixture since 90, the mid-90s that has been on Christmas Shite Eve. Off. But thankfully, well, Newcastle are not, so that means the, the Luton game looks like it's still going to be 3pm on the uh, the 23rd. But as as you mentioned, Newcastle play Nottingham Forest, host them at St James's Park on Boxing Day. That is a half twelve kickoff now. Not ideal for Forest fans, I suppose, travelling up. And then the, I mean, a few fixtures have been moved for TV, but the other big one is that on New Year's Day, Newcastle's still going to Anfield, but that's been moved from towards the end of the year, and that's going to be a late kickoff, eight pm. So, yes, um, that that's Newcastle's festive fixture list, which have come out has come out slightly later than planned. I think it was meant to be announced last week, but finally, it's out. Fair play. Uh, right then, just a quick advert uh, before we finish off. Uh, we're at Pod on the Time on Twitter or X. Give us a follow and email us at Pod on the Time at theathletic.com. We'll be back in just a sick. Uh, just a sick. Uh, <laughs> I'm sick. Well, just a sick. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't suppose you have a copy of The Wanker Signs but worked a little harder by George Corkin it is rather old it's by George Corkin no luck dad never mind there's still a few more to try good old yellow pages we don't just help with the nasty things in life like a blocked drain we're there for the nice things too you do 
Oh, that's wonderful. Can you keep a copy for me? My name? Oh, yes, it's um, A.I. Corkin. That is wonderful. Jacob hasn't, Jacob hasn't got a clue what that was all about. <laughs> well, I, I, this takes me back to the 40... I mean, it takes me back a long time. It takes me back to the 46th minute of uh, Newcastle United against Borussia Dortmund when I didn't know which way they were kicking. I've got no idea what <laughs> happened there, but incredible. Beautiful. Wonderful J.R. Hartley. Whatever happened to him? That's the one. All right, Jacob, don't think we've forgotten you as well. This is your last official podcast appearance, so we've assembled a hodgepodge of your best moments. Uh, have a little listen to this. <laughs> the new kid on the pod, Jacob Whitehead. Jacob, welcome. Nice to have you on. Pleased to be here. I reckon I am a junior magpie. Like my, my knowledge is not yet in a place where I can with any good faith call myself a Newcastle correspondent, but magpie in training... Would that work? Forgotten to mention this so far, but I'm going to mention it now. Jacob arrives and Newcastle suddenly can't score goals, can't win games. I mean, I'm not blaming Jacob, I'm just mentioning it. What have you got to say for yourself, Jacob? Like, just because there hasn't been a cup win for 68 years, I'm a big fan of the sporting curse, though. So if I am the kind of equivalent of the mayo curse or the curse of a billy goat on Newcastle from an egotistical point of view, I wouldn't mind it. We have just gone into a cup to get some supplies and Jacob had the idea of buying some cold Yorkshire puddings because Bobby always used to eat Yorkshire puddings on a Sunday. He described himself as a big Yorkshire pudding man. And I've just had to watch Jacob eat two co-op Yorkshire puddings and I think my spirit is now is now broken. I guess for me then I can probably go back to the first home game I went to which was the Carabao quarter-final against Leicester and Dan Burns scoring in front of the Gallagher. I guess for me, you can just kind of watch everything unfolding and it's not a difficult thing to quantify or think about. It's clear what it means and it's clear how much it meant to everyone watching. Still pretty wide from last night. Might be the whole like bag of Haribos I ate during the match. I was on the back row of Gallagher. Yes, the song, the sound E-I-E-I-E-I-O did come out of my mouth. Stephen is saying, is Jacob speaking into a megaphone five miles away from his phone? No. I mean, the quite interesting thing about Jacob, his phone is so old, it's actually an abacus, which is quite unusual. Don't know how he manages to speak to people, and but that's what he's doing. He's trying to do this over an abacus. You should be impressed that he managed to do what he is. I got this phone when I finished my A-levels. <laughs> Was it like an iPhone 5 or something like that? Yeah, very standard. You knew it. There was I twiddling my thumbs on my day off and having a bit of a play around with uh, ChatGPT. It is responsive to the instruction, write this in the style of George Culkin. So we can basically build our own AI Culkin. Right, okay, we're going to have a little break and we'll be back in two shakes of Darren Peacock's lustrous ponytail. See you in a bit. Mm-hmm.
Who's Darren Peacock? Oh, come on now. Wait, I'm going to Google. That's, look at all his face. He can't believe it. <laughs> well, thank you so much to uh, producer Ollie for somehow managing to uh, shine a bit of a shit to, to get some sort of a sort of closing montage. I sort of feel like I'm Italian 90 or something. There wasn't a bit of him saying we in that little clip. That would have been, that would have been good. I mean, Jacob, you came to us a boy. You're leaving us a boy. Um, how's it been? It's been a pleasure. I mean, just kind of living in this region for, I mean, it's been pretty much eight, nine months now, um, has just been an absolute pleasure. It's somewhere I hope I will return to in a couple of years, or if Chris has another baby in the near future, <laughs> which I'm sure will cheer George up no end. And yeah, just kind of discovering a club who I didn't know that much about to start with, discovering who Darren Peacock is, and as of last <laughs> night, discovering who Les Ferdinand was, uh, oh, much to God, George's amazing. anger. Um, yeah, brilliant. Cheers cheers for nine months. Well, Jacob, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. You have added an awful lot since you've joined us. It's been great fun. Um, something that we used to do quite regularly in the dark days of the show when we were going through COVID, when we used to not want to have to speak to each other too much, uh, was we would have a little quiz now and again. And what we thought we'd do today is that we would just check how much cultural osmosis there has been and how much of Newcastle culture you have soaked up in the time you've been here. So I've got some questions for you. Some of them are football-based and some of them aren't. So let's see how many of these oh, you get. A right. quiz that I don't have to take part in. That's amazing. Exactly. That's Just so... sit back and enjoy it, yeah, George, and watch somebody else flap. Hang on, I've got it. I've, got, I've still got it. Wait, here we go. I'm incredibly competitive, which might not have come across. <laughs> so I'm suddenly feeling quite a lot of pressure here. Come on. Here we go. Right. Question number one. Newcastle destroyed Everton at Goodison Park last season, but who scored the Toffees' only goal that day? He was there as well. He was there. This is he was. That was there. I did a match report. This is like the Culkin tech question, that one. It's just like basic memory. I remember it was an absolutely rubbish goal. And if he doesn't get it, it looks so bad, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. <laughs> well, it looks good for Newcastle. He doesn't care about Everton, though, no, does he? No, he just cares bothered. about Newcastle's goals. He's yeah. not bothered. Us. McNeil? It was oh. Dwight McNeil, yes, absolutely. And I think it was direct from a corner as well, wasn't it? Um, which former Newcastle United player had their wedding televised live in their home country? Uh, and a bonus point, if you can tell me which musical instrument they play. Oh. Do you say former or current Newcastle player? Former. Former. Um, yeah. It'll be a guess this. Aspria. I can see your, your logic. Um, unfortunately not. It was Norberto Solano. Okay. Do you know which, uh, do you know which musical instrument he plays? Um, the lute. Oh, <laughs> the lute. Nobby's trumpet. It's Nobby's trumpet. Come on. It's Nobby's trumpet. He plays the trumpet. I didn't know about the way. Uh, question number three. Uh, what was the name of Jimmy Nail's character in our Vida Saint Pet? <laughs> that's, a, that's a pass. That's, a oh, pass. that's the most embarrassing of them all, if you can't get that. Tell him the answer, Chris. Oz, obviously. Yes. Oz. Oz, Oz, Oz. Oz, yeah. Yeah. Oz. You can't actually. I mean, I'm sort of now thinking that maybe we take away the word we. If you've not actually seen Alfida's own pet, then I'm not sure if you're deserving of that. 
title. Is it a Some title? Some people really just title, don't integrate, George. You need they just don't integrate. No, you need. I don't know. Did DVDs still exist? We need to get him a. We should have got him a DVD. Yeah. For, he would then have had to buy a DVD player, probably. But streaming, we need to buy that for Jacob. He might be able to redeem himself with these last two questions. Here we go. Uh, what is the correct filling for a stotty? And there is two acceptable answers to this. Uh, ham and peas. Oh, 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 hang on. Ham and peas. Peas what? Pudding. Yes. yes. Oh, sorry. I thought. Oh, oh, did you have to say about peas pudding? It's not. Yeah. You don't not peas. It. You don't put. No ham and peas. Oh yes, yes. Sorry. Green I know not peas green peas. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Ham, ham and peas. Uh, do you know what the other one was? Just for uh, um, just for interest. No. Crystal, no. <laughs> sausage. Yeah, Savaloy sausage. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hang on, hang on. Whoa, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. You can have a cheese what? savory stotty. A beef stotty. Is stotty not just a no, bun? Come on, like the bat. It's not just a bun, no, Jacob. No, can't it's definitely not. It. It's not definitely not just a bun. It, if, it, if it's a bun at all, I mean that's a matter of debate. It is the king of buns. Listen, this isn't your quiz, Colin. Don't stop fucking. Well, I'm getting annoyed now. I am getting annoyed. I don't. All right, just you, while we're on sausages quickly, Chris missed out on a great night last night because uh, the catering in the press box <laughs> is usually themed <laughs> by whoever the visitors are. So we had uh, beef bourguignon and mushroom bourguignon ahead of PSG's trip. And it was all Oktoberfest themed uh, last night. And so they had a vat of huge sausages just in case. Everyone was walking out sort of four or five. There's no Chris, sticks Chris provided. Chris, but Chris, Chris is weeping. Um, he missed out on a big day. I am, but I'm, I'm I'm weeping for myself, but I'm also weeping for those German reporters who've come across and had an version of their actual. It's so strange. <laughs> it is so. It's such a strange thing to do. Why didn't they get ham and peas pudding stotties last night? That's what they should have got. Right, come on, last right. one before we finish off. Uh, Jacob, what would you be sucking if you were sitting in a sleazy snack bar, according to the band Lindisfarne? Well, I know what song this is from, at least. <laughs> Which it is what. Do, 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 do. Sorry? Well, what is the Which song? song is uh, Which song's... Um, Fuck on Time. Yeah. So and it's all alliterative, sucking? so... Yep. Yep. Uh, I'll just give me... It's an it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a adjective and then sausage roll, but what type of sausage roll? Just get, get, exactly. give, give, me, give me the line again. Sitting in a sleazy snack bar sucking. What am I at the minute? Sweaty? No. <laughs> apart from yeah, that as well. But apart from Always. that, um, <laughs> come on, it's sickly, okay. Jacob. It's sickly. Sausage well, I think rolls. both works. I think uh, I think sausage rolls. Wasn't a bad effort. That wasn't a bad effort. No, it was good. It's not bad, it was, was it? He got good. the sausage rolls part. We'll give him. That. He got into the. He did anyway, get, there we go. He got into the music of. Uh, got into the music of Linda's fan, didn't he? Yeah. As you should as well. Brilliant stuff. Well, there we go. That's it. Thank you so much, Jacob. Thank you for your time. It's been an absolute honour and a pleasure and a privilege to have you on Pod on the Time. I'm sure you'll be back very, very soon. Uh, thanks a lot, George Colgan. Cheers for coming on. Absolute pleasure. Yeah, mixed, lots of mixed feelings. Um, but obviously, yeah, lots of, mm. lots of huge love and thanks to Jacob for enriching our lives and being part of our family. Always will be. And um, yeah, chat to you all soon. Brilliant stuff. And thanks to you as well, Christopher Woff. You're very welcome. And yes, thank you for Jacob. I mean, there's I've got mixed feelings as well because I also have to come back and actually do some work now and try and match any both the output and quality of his work, which is not going to happen. So I'm just going to set the bar <laughs> low very early on. But no, it's been a pleasure coming to an area 
and a club that he didn't know and being able to cover them the way he has done yeah. has been superb. So, no, don't be a stranger, Jacob. I'll be in Paris. Knocked it out of the park, Jacob. Well done, son. Uh, right, then, that's it. Subscribe to The Athletic via theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and pay just £199, dollars or euros, depending on where you are. And that's per month for the first 12 months. Uh, that's it. We'll be back on Monday. Have a great weekend. From everybody at Pod on the Time, take care. We'll see you soon. Athletic.